0: Hey, this is Shannon from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron. Located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky, 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettleball classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606-310-4918. History
1: of science. Down a new topic and dash off to the next.
2: It's a great big world with so much to know. Like cryptids, time travel, and
0: the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast. With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. <laughs>
2: Hello, boils and ghouls. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the crypt Keeper. And this is a special shout-out today to my good fiends, Shannon and Jason, and who are also the hosts of Slapdash Podcast. <laughs> well, it's October, my favorite time of fear. And I understand that you're recording an episode on the history of tales from the crypt.
0: <laughs> As you heard on today's episode, we're discussing the history of tales from the crypt. Across the table is a man with a ghoulish appearance who lives in the basement, and he has a scary story to
1: tell. Jason Creekmore, how are you, sir? I'm not as good as uh, John Cassir, but that was that was my best shot. that was, shot right that was there. a good imitation. Not bad. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd say hello, creeps. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I may just start saying that all the time. Like I mean, when I, when I walk in uh, the house tonight, yeah, you know, my family's there. <laughs> hello, creeps, and they're then all, just
0: go to bed. They're all asleep. You know, you just walk in. That makes it a little scarier. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. So, Jason, are you a fan of Tales from the Crypt? I am a big fan of Tales from the Crypt. I used to watch this when I was a little kid. Right, it was on HBO. Yes. Uh, I, I think. And uh, yep. so, yeah, I, I've, I've watched uh, not all of them, but I've watched uh, quite a few of them. Obviously, the one I remember is... John Cassir, the actual crypt keeper, right? That's right. just sort of a highly entertaining, and and to me, that's the word that I think uh, I think of the most when I think of Tales from the Crypt. I just think of it's it's entertaining. Yeah, it's not necessarily scary. I mean, obviously, there's like some gothic horror type Man, stuff I, all I, through. No,
0: you might be speaking for yourself there. I'm I'm pretty scared uh, well, of Tales from the Crypt. Well, or at least I was <clears throat> as a kid.
1: Yeah, now, now several of them were a little bit scarier than others. Uh, but they're to me, they're just, uh, you know, overall, holistically, they're just entertaining. Yeah, uh, but now I did are. one episode I'll talk about a little bit later, that actually sort of has some deep psychological things occurring on it. And I'll be honest, when I watched it, I thought, good night, that's, yeah that's I'm scarred for life by watching this. You know. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah. Well, this is gonna be a cool episode,
0: especially for our listeners who are fans of Tales right. from the Crypt, because we reached out to John Cassier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and he provided some answers to questions that we asked, and here at the end of the episode we're 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 going to share some of those answers, and it's pretty cool the way he kind of flips in and out of character uh, of being the Crypt Keeper
1: versus John Kassir. He's so natural for him. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would love to be him like uh, at a (laughs) drive-thru, and you're just ordering (laughs) food, right? You know, I'll take a Big Mac and some French fries. (laughs) 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 it would
0: be great. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Well, we'll start with a little bit of the history of the show. We're going to talk about some of our favorite episodes, and then we'll get to the Crypt Keeper does that sound like a plan? Sounds good. Tales from the Crypt is an American horror anthology television series that ran from June 10th, 1989 to July 19th, 1996. As you said, it was on HBO with a total of 93 episodes. And whenever I think of horror anthology, I think of things like Twilight Zone. Um, what are some of the others? Outer Limits. There used to be one called Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, yeah that was one. And, and, was there something called like Midnight Theater? I think Rod Serling did like another one I later. Think own so, life, yeah. or something like that. But this one's unique. It, it really has yeah. a different spin altogether. Most notably, it does have the host, the Crypt Keeper which is recurrent throughout all of the episodes, and we're going to talk more specifically about The Crypt Keeper in just a moment. The title of the show, Tales from the Crypt, is based on the 1950s EC comic series of the same name. And the cool thing is, whenever you go down into the crypt in in all of the episodes, (laughs) you'll see The Crypt Keeper, and then whenever it gets to the point where he's getting ready to introduce the story, he always pulls out like this big book, and then he flips it open, and you see like a comic book cover. Have you noticed that in the episodes you've watched? And they're all based on these original 1950s comics which i think was pretty cool. Yeah. Since Tales from the Crypt aired on HBO, it was really the first horror anthology to be free of censorship and i think that's one of the things that kind of set it apart. The, these are kind of gruesome some of these episodes are, you know. The the ones i watched especially was just like well, i was surprised yeah. going back and revisiting just really how graphic in detail some yeah. of these can be. <clears throat>
1: the the the, uh, the two episodes that i looked at uh, a little bit more in depth, yeah that kind of shocked me. One of them was much more gruesome in terms of just like visually mm-hmm. and the other one was much more like a like a psychological type terror type sure. thing. But uh but yeah, I actually you know so basically these are all Roughly early '90s, I guess would have been like the uh, the heyday yeah. of, of of Tales from the Crypt.
0: Whenever I uh, went back and rewatched these, I was kind of, I was very surprised because I think when I was watching these as a kid, I must have been watching like the the television syndicate version. Oh yeah, um, because I, I discovered in the research for this episode that two versions of each episode were shot because HBO knew that one day the show would likely be sold to other networks to air syndication, and they knew they were doing something special because they were a premium service and they could get away with some of this non-censorship on television. Some of the language
1: and that type of thing. The
0: language, the violence, alternate shots removed all of the questionable content from each episode so that the episodes could later be recut Hmm. for airing on regular TV. And I think that's why I didn't remember. I I mean, I knew the episodes were scary because – I mostly watched these as a kid. I don't think I've ever watched these as an adult until recently. Right when we started prepping yeah. for this episode, and I loved it. And it was good. <laughs> I, it's I really was, good. I was pleasantly surprised. Oh man. yeah.
1: I'm 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 not going to lie. I'm kind of excited about. Just, you know, getting on the iPad when I go to bed yeah. and just, you know, going through because a, a lot of these are on YouTube. They are. They're right. all about 25 minutes in length. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I have like uh, probably, you know, 30 or 40 that I've never seen before. Probably going to spend a little time catching up. That's awesome. So, one thing that really sticks out
0: about this uh, series is the opening sequence. A lot of these horror anthologies have a memorable opening sequence. Yeah. Twilight Zone, we had the Rod Serling voiceover with all these abstract clocks and sort things of floating in the air. Yeah, and we did a whole episode on that. <clears throat> go go check out our Twilight Zone episode. But uh, for, for Tales from the Crypt, each episode begins with a tracking shot leading to the front door of the Crypt Keeper's <laughs> old mansion. Uh, once inside, the camera pans down the hallways and stairways before descending into the basement. There's a shot of a long, winding staircase that leads deep underneath the house. And I, I couldn't figure out if that was like computer. Generated or, or what, but it so, something about it seemed like almost surreal. Like yeah. it didn't feel like a physical staircase. It just kind of went on and on and on. And it seems like I remember like these candle candle lights sort of
1: popping on or something kind of yeah. popping
0: on and things. And in a way you were like shifting between the the reality of the house and you knew you were, man, you, you bear buckle up, you're getting ready to get into something crazy right. down here in the basement. And that's what happens when the camera arrives at the bottom of the staircase, this cackling corpse <laughs> known as the crypt keeper just pops out of a casket and he
1: laughs, you know. He does his class, yeah. and, and, and his head is all like just shaking, like oh, all man. over the place. It's so weird. Yeah, that one that always creeped me out. And even though, and even though I knew what was coming, right? Yeah. Did he get you every episode? You know, we're starting at the gate in the yard, right? Yeah. And about 60 seconds later, I know he's going to pop out of that thing. I know he's mm-hmm. going to be shaking. And But every time I'd be like, ah, oh, ah, no. ah.
0: "Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest, when I was a kid, and I, I might have mentioned this in another episode, I think this came up, I, I would mute that intro for that reason. I really
1: would. <laughs> you tapped
0: out? I tapped out, man, right from the get-go. I mean, that should tell you how, how terrifying the episodes were, because I couldn't even watch the thing come on, because I knew that guy was going to pop out of the crypt and just scare me to death. It's kind of like one of those like a a Jack in the Box
1: you
0: you know it's coming. Yeah. I think that's worse because you know it's inevitable. Yeah, like he's gonna pop out, he's gonna laugh, and I'm just gonna cry myself to sleep. It's just it's just crazy. But after he does that, there's this green uh, green slime that pours down the screen, and then you just hear him say Teals from the credits, oh, yeah. and and we see the logo, and it's so iconic. Yeah, I mean, going back and revisiting this, I, I just remember, yeah, that that's what it felt like to be a kid in the. Night nineties, scared to death. Those were the good old days. (laughs) But uh, the Crypt Keeper himself is, is really the draw to this intro, and he really ties everything together. The show's great, but there's something about having this bookend of the Crypt Keeper at the beginning of the episode yep. and at the end, because it's always specialized. It,
1: there's there's a, a certain level of continuity there and, yeah. and and comfort and predictability. And you know that's coming, right? So you yeah. know how it's going to begin and you know how it's pretty much going to end. Sure. And I think that was a, just one of the big draws. Yeah, it was. You know, he's animated he's a puppet and he's animated by
0: several puppeteers and i hate to say that you know i don't want to break the illusion he's not an actual corpse he's he's just a puppet apparently but he has the straggly gray and white pieces of hair sprouting from his head he has the rotten teeth the holes in his throat and here's a cool trivia question for you he has these crystal blue eyes right just Mm -hmm. these bright blue eyes that really have a stark contrast between just who he is as a person versus and death and you know death <laughs> yeah. and, and these are these blue brilliant yeah. eyes those eyes jason were given to him by his creator uh the person who made him and this is the same person who made chucky the chucky doll from child's play and those
1: are the same eyes no way. Yeah, so... Get out of town. It's true, man. Wow. What do you think about that? I, I did not know that. That's pretty So now, I, every time I see Chucky, I'm like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yo, Chucky kind of has a laugh like yeah. that, too. So, bright blue-eyed people, they, they're kind of maniacal. But The Crypt Keeper is voiced by John Kassir, an American actor who also voiced... Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons, Miko the Raccoon from Pocahontas 1 and 2, and he provided voiceover work for other shows including Sonic the Hedgehog, Eek the Cat, Casper's Scare School, Spider-Man 3, The Secret Life of Pets, and many, many others. If you look at this guy's rap sheet on IMDb, hmm. That's he, cool. he's been in everything. I mean, he's provided various voices for all kinds of all kinds of cartoons. He was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and got his start in 1985 when he appeared
1: on Star Star Search. Do you remember Star Search? Yeah, yeah. It was
0: that TV show. uh, I don't remember the host. It wasn't like Ed McMahon or anybody. I don't. I don't
1: know, but I I know the show. I remember. I remember the
0: show. They would usually have younger people on, young talent anyway, and it was a competition show. Yeah, and he won the show in in a stand up comic competition against Sinbad. (laughs) <laughs> Do you remember Sinbad? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? So he beat Sinbad head head to head. He sure did. Yeah. Mm. He, he probably just got up there and said, hello, creeps. Was like, That's, <laughs> That's, it. It. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Give him That's the trophy. It. This guy wins. <laughs> I need to talk to you about a show. It takes place in a basement. <laughs> don't, don't run away. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a good idea. But the, the cool thing about this show, and, and something I didn't re- really remember as a kid, is that it starred a lot of
1: different actors, like well-known I, actors and actresses. I did not realize that. No. And, and maybe because some of these actors and actresses weren't big at the time. Yeah, I mean maybe I know you know because like today I know the one I, I watched earlier today I was blown away by who was in that episode. Yeah. And I thought there are three pretty well known people sure. in this twenty five. Uh, so yeah, so I guess maybe either I just wasn't aware, but I definitely had forgotten because that, and that was the first thing I thought of when I watched that today. I mm-hmm. thought, wow, they, that's some pretty big names. Oh, I can't believe Jason is in this episode. <laughs>
0: He's the well known podcaster. From <laughs> yeah, <Nage>. yeah. <laughs> Here are some names of people who appeared. See if you know any of these. Okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I, I, I know him.
1: <laughs> you know him, Brad Pitt. I know Brad Pitt. Brooke Shields. Yep. Christopher Reeves. Oh yeah, that was that was when <laughs> I was talking about earlier. Is it, is it Reeves or Reeve? I think it's Christopher Reeves. I always say Reeves. I think, think it's there's Reeves. two. Actually, I. It's
0: Superman. It is Superman. <laughs> Whatever. It's Superman. Superman. Yeah. All right. That's that's enough. Corey Feldman, who was actually in. Um, what was it he was in one of the friday the 13th movies he was the little kid yeah tommy yeah uh dan Aykroyd, which was in oh, yeah. one of the episodes i watched uh ewan mcgregor who is uh, obi-wan kenobi you mcgregor from star wars <laughs> yeah. okay i didn't see that coming. i don't know how young he was but yeah uh jada pinkett joe pesci oh yeah, yeah no joe pesci michael j fox <laughs> tom hanks and the list goes on and on. Not Tom Hanks. Yeah, sure enough, man. I bet if you dig Forrest enough, Gump.
1: I would love to see For- <laughs> I would love to see him play Forrest Gump in one of these. Oh, that'd and Just be to great. have those two talk. Yeah. Have John Kassir you know, talk to Forrest Gump. <laughs> that'd be great. You know the only person
0: they're missing from this list who I think would add uh, a really strong element to I'm going to guess. All right, go ahead. It's Michael Keaton. <laughs> it's always Michael Keaton, man. Sh- shows are just made better. By the appearance of Michael Keaton,
1: tell tell the Crypt would have been a lot
0: better in your eyes if they just would have added Michael Keaton. I think so. I think the Crypt Keeper uh, needed a sidekick, like Beetlejuice, maybe. You
1: know, oh, That'd there be pretty cool. Yeah,
0: I, I could see. I could get down with that. That'd be pretty cool. But this show's had a wonderful legacy. It spawned uh, an animated series, which I thought was kind of cool. It was G-rated. <laughs> yeah. It was a Saturday morning. That was kind of cool thing. There was a game show. Did you ever see the game show? Mm, no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, this was on Saturday mornings, too. And I think it was like a kids game show, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because this show's not Really, four kids in a way. <laughs> no, the one I watched today wasn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but in a way, like, but in its legacy, it almost feels like it, it is. And I know that's so strange because the episodes aren't really like oriented toward children at all. No, they're uh, they're very clearly like adult <laughs> yeah, themes right. and, and such. But yeah, this this game show had the Crypt Keeper as the host. He was like a CGI puppet sort of thing, and the kids played the show. I, I've seen it a few times. Huh, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's kind of interesting. And there were also several movies that spawned as a result of this and um you know i don't think i've seen the movies have you Uh,
1: maybe one think i've I've seen seen like
0: the 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 boxes on yeah you know i remember seeing like the art and some of that stuff but i never actually watched any of the movies but big fan of the show and i i think we just recently you know after we've been saying we went back and we watched some of these and just kind of revisited and we're you know we're just curious what what now today is tales from the crypt all about so, Jason, I think you have the first episode. So, what can you tell us about the one
1: that you watched? Well, Shannon, I will say that I was thoroughly entertained for 52 minutes today.
0: 52 whole <laughs> I minutes? I pulled up huh?
1: two episodes on YouTube. They yeah. were, I think they were each like 26 minutes long, roughly. And I really liked both of them. So, my first episode is called What's Cooking? All right. <laughs> okay. i, have, I have so, a so fear have,
0: of what the answer to that So, you'd has. have
1: to imagine John Kasir's voice for that. But, yeah. but What's Cooking? So, uh, uh, what's cooking was episode six. Of <laughs> also, season... imagine the rock. <laughs> what's <laughs> <laughs> he says that the rock just busts in the room. <laughs> That's pretty good. Give me the people's elbow. <laughs> uh, so, what's cooking was episode six of season four. Uh, and for a twenty five minute show, it had quite the cast. Christopher Reeve, Reeves, Reeve, Reeve, Superman. Reeves, yep. He was in there. Judd Nelson. Oh yeah. And singer, actor, Meatloaf. <laughs> The meatloaf. The huh? meatloaf. Okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert: Meatloaf was what was cooking. What? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, and it wasn't. It was meatloaf, but it wasn't the meatloaf that you would typically. Oh, eat. Oh no! It, oh yes. Uh, this, this is taking a dark turn, man. And it got dark. All right. So, okay. Christopher Reeve's character and his wife own a small diner where uh, all they serve is squid. Okay, that's it. <laughs> They just specialize in squid. All right. Squid for breakfast, squid sandwiches, squid for dinner. All they do is just just chop up squid. Is there a market for this? Uh, apparently not, because they were basically broke. <laughs> well, duh. And, and, and as one would expect, uh, they did not have a great deal of business. One of the workers, uh, played by Judd, well, the only worker, actually, uh, played by Judd Nelson. He's just sort of sweeping the floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a seedy character. You can tell he's just uh, not super trustworthy. And he begins to talk to the owners and says, well, hey, maybe you need to uh, diversify a little bit here. Maybe get some barbecue, maybe some steaks. And the owners refuse. So Christopher Reeve's character is like, no, that I have a vision. You know, uh, KFC had chicken. I'm going to specialize in squid. (laughs) So (laughs) only squid. Kentucky Fried Squid. Kentucky Fried Squid. So they only have one uh, police officer. That, that comes into their to the the restaurant and apparently he he has ordered squid fairly regularly. So he squid comes burger, in, squid tots. Yes, yeah, squid tots. <laughs> and so like you know they're like, hey, what what's you know what would you like to eat? And he goes, ah, eh, just just a cup of coffee. He said, I, I think I've kind of getting you know maybe a little burned out on the squid. And so they look at you know uh, Jud Nelson's character. He's like, see, told you, oh, you know. Yeah. And uh, so you know what happens basically at, at the end of the the shift, uh, they all leave and meatloaf comes in okay the the singer the singer actor
0: meatloaf personification of meatloaf walks (laughs) through the door like a pan of it sell
1: me guys
0: (laughs) all right i'm with you
1: and uh so he walks in he's so overplaying this part right i mean he's dressed in in an entirely white suit okay (laughs) he walks in and he goes like where's my money (laughs) and he's like well business hasn't been great and he goes i know i'm three months late but I'll, i'll get you the money and so he goes, tomorrow, I'm coming back to evict you. So he's the landlord of the, the building that the restaurant's in, right? Okay, I'm with you. So uh, Christopher Reeves is like, no, you can't do that. And 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 so bizarre, he actually pulls a knife out on him.
0: Okay, a steak knife. <laughs> okay. A squid knife. <laughs> a
1: squid knife. And he comes at him, and he sort of cuts him. He cuts his finger, but then it's like he he like jumps back in horror, and he's like, "I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that." And then he like he starts apologizing. So huh. meatloaf uh, is like, "You're crazy! I'm I'm calling the police, and you're out of here tomorrow." So he leaves the restaurant, and uh, Christopher Reeve's character follows him out, and they're outside, and he's pleading with them, right? Well, Judd Nelson's character's across the road, and he's like over there, just sort of like you know taking it all in, and he's seeing everything kind of transpire, and he hears the conversation. So the next morning. Uh, They come in, you know, Judd Nelson has cleaned all the, uh, the uh, restaurant and everything and, (laughs) and they're getting ready to close everything down. Right. And they open up the refrigerator and there are like, there's some, some eggs and some steaks and different Mm. things. The cop comes in and he goes, Hey, uh, I'll take some of that steak. And Christopher Reeve's character's like, well, where did this come from? And then the worker's like, oh, I, it's someone I knew, and I, uh, I didn't think you would mind. You know, they let us borrow some of that food, and I thought we would use it. I don't like where this is going. You know where going. this is going, don't you? <laughs> I yeah. think so. Oh, by the way, where's Meatloaf? <laughs> yeah, where'd that and, guy go? And so immediately you knew what's happened, right? I yeah. mean, you know. So I thought, okay, they're 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 selling and eating some the man. Right? Todd stuff they're, going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, – so all of a sudden, just like a, a great twenty-six minute you know show would have, it's like people just come in droves off the streets. What's that sweet smell? Give me some of those steaks! <laughs> and so the restaurant, like, fucking like two days, just explodes. Right? I mean, like they have like you Ray know Ray comes knocking. <laughs> yeah, like to purchase this yeah. franchise. It's crazy. So Christopher Reeve says, "Hey, you know, we need some more steaks." And so, and this is the part I wasn't prepared for. Okay, all right. So you know, I thought like you would open up the like, the freezer, and there's going to be like meatloaf's head. Just you know, no. So we go to the the. Uh, Jed Nelson walks back to the walk-in freezer, opens it up, just walks in, and meatloaf's just hanging there on a hook, oh. and he starts chopping like his sides, and he, and it shows. I mean, clearly shows. He's just swinging, and Christopher Reeve's character is like, oh my. Lord, and he's just chopping the skin off with a meat cleaver, oh, and he my goes, goodness. "No, listen, don't tell anybody." He goes, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's acting like he's ran a yellow light or something, right? You know, oh, he's man. like, you know, people like what they like, and <laughs> and they go out, and so they 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 literally it takes all day to get rid of him, and so like when they come in to get the last steak, it's just meatloaf's head and a spinal cord. Oh. <laughs> It's awful, (laughs) and the camera just keeps panning and showing all these people, you know, just eating all the all the food up and everything. Right? Oh my gosh. So the cops start to kind of investigate, and they're trying to figure out where Meatloaf's character went, right? Oh, yeah. And so the, the worker tries to, to kill Christopher Reeves because he thinks he's going to you know, say something or whatever. And then the, the episode kind of ends with the, uh, Christopher Reeves' wife. He comes in saves him, right? So now they've got the, the worker, which is Judd Nelson. They have him kind of sort of tied up a little bit, right? And the cop comes in. And so Judd Nelson starts saying, you know, oh, thank God you're here, officer. They've, they've killed Meatloaf. <laughs> whatever his name was. Uh, and now they're going to kill me, arrest them. And then the cop just sits down. He goes, What to do? What to do? And then you know something's up. Oh, and no. he goes, Well, it seems like I've developed a taste for this. <laughs> oh, and then Christopher no. Reeve just says, You know, coming right up. And he just slams his head down on the grill. And the oh. last thing you see is Nelson's face getting fried and he's going ah, screaming and then the camera pans out and then judd nelson's character uh his name basically uh just like the the neon light just blows up Uh (laughs) so like he's gone and that's and that's it you you know the story
0: this is not the twilight zone no very clearly there's a distinction between older shows and this show yeah
1: i was i was not prepared i mean you know look we've all seen saw right yeah but it's just the way that they kind of presented it. I just did not expect him just to be in the freezer and him just to walk up and it's like he was picking apples. I mean, he just you know and then just shut the door back and it was just kind of crazy. But wow. uh, but that that's a lot that's happened in about twenty six minutes there of their footage. <laughs> but but again, it was it was highly entertaining. It it had my attention. That's pretty cool. So, Jason, the episode I have is a
0: stark contrast to that one. Okay, okay, it, it goes off in a completely different direction. And the weird thing about this one is that it's it's almost not even like a scary story. Like that one, very clearly is is set in the the macabre sort of. Oh yeah, you know, dark horror. That that's weird. That's like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff right right this one's not this one just has like a twisty ending type thing going on but overall the story itself is is pretty tame uh so this episode does star Kirk Douglas as a general and his real-life son, which I didn't know this was his real-life son until the end and I saw the credits, but he plays his son in the, in the show too, Eric Douglas, and he's a lieutenant. So basically what you got here, you have a general, you have a lieutenant, and you have basically an army in the middle of World War One. Okay. so it's it's set in 1918, and the way it starts, and we'll come back to this because I I had no idea what this was about. Okay, the only thing I knew is that the title of this episode was called Yellow. Okay, that, that's all it is. All right, all right. So whenever it first comes on you hear uh, some music, and it sounds like Oh Danny Boy. Have you heard that oh, song? Yeah, the old yeah. uh, folk the kind pops of new Irish or, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah, Oh Danny Boy, so so we're hearing this, we're seeing the credits, and on the screen it's just a low camera shot of like a yellow daisy that's planted in a field that just has dirt and there's nothing else around it, you just see this daisy and it's like, Oh Danny Boy but it's just the music, right? Okay. So, and everything seems peaceful and calm, and then all of a sudden maybe one second later, this corpse of a soldier just falls down on top of the daisy, crushes it, and then all of a sudden we're in a war zone. Like, it's okay. just the Americans, the Germans, they're just firing at each other, and it's just crazy, just, just you know, all over the board. But it it is the 49th day of continuous battle on the front lines, and it tells okay. us that with a little pop-up. Lieutenant Martin Calthrop doesn't want to be in the Army anymore and asked his father, General Calthrop, for a discharge. So, basically, you've got a father-son hmm. dynamic, and he says, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore. But it just so happens he's a lieutenant. So you know he's he's a big deal, kind of higher up a little in bit. the army, right? His father refuses, but says he will transfer his son to the rear if he leads a patrol to the German lines to fix a broken communication line. Because basically, the the way the story starts out, it's it's just all out war, and they find this lieutenant, the son, kind of hiding. Okay. And, and the whole point, the idea of yellow is that yellow oh, is a symbol for like, like a coward. Or a something. coward. Okay. Exactly. So he's hiding out, you know, and, and people come to the general and they hate to tell him. They're like, I really don't want to say this. You know, can I speak, speak freely, sir? You know, you know how that goes. <laughs> can I be frank? <laughs> can, can I be frank, sir? And he's like, speak your mind. soldier. <laughs> he's like, uh, your, your son's yellow, sir. And that's what he said. That's literally what he says. You know, It's like, your son is yellow, sir. And uh, he's like, bring him in here. You know, and he, he sends him in and, and they kind of have a conversation. And the son's like, dad, I, I really never wanted to be in the military. This was your dream. This is what you <laughs> wanted for me. He said, I just honestly, I have a fear of de- death. I, I, I You know, I don't know how dare I have a fear of death, but I do. I'm just afraid to die. And, and the father's like, all right. I'll tell you what. I can't give you a discharge because that's just not what we're doing, but I can get you off the front line if you'll do one thing for me. I want you to lead a team over into the German territory, and I want you to restore a communication line. And if you do that for me, if you fix that behind enemy lines and you come back, I'm going to move you off the front line. No one will think you're a coward anymore. It's done. (laughs) You won't be yeller. You won't be yeller, son. Old yeller. So- he agrees and he leads this team whenever he gets there you can tell he's just terrified right okay. he's surrounded by these three other uh, army guys who are just ready to get it done and he's kind of hiding and they said all right listen we know you're afraid here's what you'll do you sit down in this hole you know just stay right there we're gonna go over we're gonna fix the line all you have to do is take this tiny whistle and if you see <laughs> the germans coming up on us blow the whistle and he said but that'll give away my position and they'll know I'm here. They're like, yeah, but we're the ones who are actually going into enemy territory. Just just you know, be our lookout. Just blow right. the whistle. That's all you have to do. So they take off. He's hiding down in the hole and a few <laughs> minutes go by. And then all of a sudden he sees the German infantry coming over the hill and he knows that they're getting ready to ambush his guys. And he looks at the whistle. Oh no. And he looks at them. <laughs> oh no. And he looks at the whistle and he just kind of draws it back into his pocket. And then all of a sudden you just hear, bam, 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 bam. And they just blow these guys away oh gosh so he takes off running and he runs all the way back to the camp and whenever he gets there he runs in to see his dad and he's like dad it's terrible he said you know the germans attacked us i shot as many of them as i could but they killed all the men you know he said i i tried to be brave for you dad i really did And he's like that's fine son all you can do is the best you can do but lo and behold one of the soldiers survived
1: oh so
0: here he comes oh he just kind of waddles in he's like yeller he's yeller <laughs> <laughs> he's yeller Yes. So he goes up to the general. He's also anti-whistle. Yeah, he's anti-whistle. This guy, this soldier who they're bringing in, like literally, like you can see like the dismemberment of his guts hanging out. I mean, he's just like, he's, he's on his last leg. He's like, he's yeller. So he walks up and he says, you know, this guy gave us up. Basically, he wouldn't blow the whistle. He didn't warn us. He knew. And then he run, ran away. And the, the dad looks at the son and he says, is this true? And he said, no, dad, this guy's crazy. What's he even talking about? And he said, Uh, Is that the gun that you you fought off the Germans with? And he said, it is. He said, let me see the gun. So he takes the gun and he opens up the chamber and he closes it back and he hands it back to him. And he said, this gun's never been fired. So all of a sudden, you you know what's up here. Oh, man. So he he court martials his son. And in the very next scene, there's like this impromptu trial. He said, Okay, everybody meet at the church. We're getting ready in one hour. We're gonna have a a court martialing and we're gonna sentence this guy. His son. Like here's the general presiding over everything. So they go into this church and basically they sentence this guy to death by firing squad for for being a, a coward, basically. And you know, they they pull him off into another room and the dad goes in there to see him, and he's like, Are you really gonna let this happened to me he's like well no i'm not Here, here's what we're gonna do he said Whenever i uh whenever they go out in the morning it's like at 6 a.m you know they're they're gonna issue the firing squad against this guy he said whenever they go out i'm the one who loads their guns and he said i always put one blank in there and nobody knows which one's blank that way they don't know who dealt the killing blow All right. So I guess it's some kind of army protocol. So you don't know who actually killed because one person fired a blank. Might have been you. Might have not been. Right. Right. So he said, I will load them all with blanks. He said, I just need you to do a really good job uh, (laughs) of being brave. And here's what's going to happen. He said, whenever they they fire, it's all going to be blanks. But you need to fake it. And you need to fall, fall into the pit. And then whenever you get there. He said, I've ordered my men to move out immediately. So I'm going to slip over. I'm going to throw some money down in the hole like a bag with some money, a <laughs> fake identity. He said, you slip off. We'll never see you again. You'll be just fine. He said, but you know, as you're part of the deal, you have to be brave throughout the entire endeavor. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm interested. So here we go. Okay. This is the final act. So the next morning, you know, it's 6 a.m. It's all official. You hear the drum roll. <laughs> this guy's walking out. And he's he's more or less like strutting, you know, because he like Rick Flair, yeah, he's kind of like, Who! <laughs> you know, <laughs> so he's strutting out, R- R- Rolex wearing, <laughs> that's right, jet fly! jet flying, <laughs> uh, but but I think he literally says something like, "It's a good day to die" or something, <laughs> garbage <laughs> so day. Something. <laughs> so he walks out and uh, he he stands in front of the firing squad and they they say, you know, do you uh, do you want to smoke or something like that. <laughs> You know, this is your last uh, last right or whatever. And he's like, "Uh, no, but I would like to drink from my flask. And he takes out this flask and and gets a big sup of that. And they're like, "Um, do you have any final words? And he's like, why, sure. You know, and he's just just playing all nonchalant, like, you know, no big deal. This is fine. So he, he says his piece, basically, you know, he's like my, you know, I never wanted to be a soldier. My father wanted this for me. But, you know, now here we are. Things are what they are. Let's wrap it up. Let's get the show on the road.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay.
0: So he goes up. He, he stands there. They say, you know, uh, sir, do you want a blindfold? And he said, no, I don't want a blindfold. You know, let's let's get going with this. <laughs> so here we go. You see the father go out and he loads each of the shells into the guns and he kind of goes down. There's like five guys standing there and then the the captain, the one of the other characters played by Dan Aykroyd. Which is, I know, just such an aside in this. But, man, Dan Aykroyd, right? He's great. Big name. Yeah, so so he's like, all right, ready, aim, fire. (laughs) But guess what? (laughs) Can you guess how this ends? I don't know. Not necessarily, no. (laughs) Okay. I didn't guess this. Right before they fire, the son looks at the dad, and the dad looks at him. And then the dad lowers his head, and then they blow him away for real.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he falls into
0: the pit, and he's just laying there dying. And then they walk up to him. He kind of breathes his last breath, and then just dies. And the captain looks at him and says, it looks like your son was, wasn't was a coward. He was very brave. And the general says, yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is. Oh my god! <laughs> can you believe that's that? that's a little sad? It, it's not your typical like tales from the creek right? Though. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it it's has almost
1: that, almost like a tw- well, kind of like a twilight it, zone, got, but but kind of not. It's, it it yeah. is
0: in a way. A I can see this in the twilight zone for sure, but. I, I was really into this. I mean, from wow. beginning to end, it was well acted, it was well scripted. The The color yellow is used as a symbol for cowardice, as we said. It's also a symbol for sort of being out of place. Remember the daisy at the beginning, it's out of place. It's by right. itself, and then you have this war zone and everything. But um, the monologue here, I think, is interesting. The Crypt Keeper, whenever he first comes in to introduce the episode, he's standing there, he's dressed in military attire, and he has his rifle, right? You know, and you just hear John Kassir's voice, he says firing squad present arms hello creeps i was just about to fire off tonight's dead time story <laughs> Dead time story, i love it it's about a young soldier who doesn't want to be in the army anymore i can't imagine why not i mean war is a great opportunity destroyer now where was i oh yes ready maim <laughs> and here's my favorite part fire and then he just fires off a few rounds and he says, I call tonight's tail yellow. So and then it just goes into it. But mm, that's pretty, really cool. pretty cool. I like the Crypt Keeper here. One bit of trivia: Originally, this episode was going to be directed by Steven Spielberg. Isn't that kind of wow. kind of wild? I mean, we're talking big names That's here. Yeah, this is, this is a big deal. But it didn't happen. Instead, the episode was directed by Robert Zemeckis, the director best known for Back to the Future, hmm. Forrest Gump, which you mentioned a minute ago, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So
1: I think pretty may- cool. I think maybe uh, Quentin Tarantino directed uh, the first episode I spoke about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so blood, it sounds like it's blood everywhere. Yeah, craziness. So So, Jason, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about more of these episodes. Sure. Is that
1: okay? Sounds great. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee.
0: Yeah. And you can pick up a nice slapdash hoodie or a slapdash mug and drink your next cup of Joe right out of a slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store
1: Welcome back. Uh, today we are talking about Tales from the Crypt and my next episode is called The New Arrival and it was actually in season 4, episode 6 and it's really interesting. I didn't really notice any big actors or actresses in this particular episode Yeah. Uh, but on some of the list this, this episode is actually ranked number 1 Uh, And I can I could see that it's it's probably for good reason. It's 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 a good storyline. And it just there's something just creepy about it, like the whole time. So basically, it starts off at a radio station. And you have this M- meatloaf, folks. It's meatloaf. Where's my money? <laughs> and so you you have this like a radio uh, psychologist, like this child psychologist, right? It's it's like a call in show, and so he has people call in and and ask about what's the best way to, to handle my child, my child, my child does this, and give me mm-hmm. some suggestions. And so he's very straightforward, very academic, you know. And oh, yeah. uh, but his show was sort of tanking. All right, and the the ratings are going down. And he's actually on air and then he turns like the volume down on his radio set and then he turns it up like in the studio and he can hear like the manager saying, Tonight's his last night we're we're canceling his show. Oh, So he can hear that. So he's got to do something. He's got to do something. Okay. So he has this, this caller who has called many times before, and her name, uh, I believe her name was Nora. Okay. And so Nora calls, and she goes, you know, uh, sir, you know, my little Felicity, she just continues to, you know, she just uh, bangs her head on the wall, and she just screams and throws things. And so he goes, uh, you know, Nora, i tell you what I'm going to do for you. He said, we are going to come to your house and we're going to do like a live, in-person, remote session of this show. And I'm not leaving until Felicity is cured of her bad behavior. Oh, he said, no. because psychology <laughs> wins over bad behavior every day. It sounds like a bad idea. All right. So as he's saying this, he's sort of like looking through like the plexiglass at the manager, right? He's like, mm-hmm. I'll show you now cancel me. <laughs> you know, so obviously uh, he goes, his assistant and the the manager goes to this to this house right so the next day there they are and so they knock on the door and this really tiny lady comes up and i think she may have even played uh in the uh, amityville horror movies okay if yeah. you if you know i don't know her name but that's i think she's played in those but anyway so she comes to the door and she's like are you here to uh, you know to see my little felicity and they're <laughs> like yes we you know we have come to to cure her of all of her you know bad behavior that type of thing so they come in and they're there just like five minutes right before they look up the steps and they see like this really kind of big childlike girl standing at the top of the steps with this really like old flowery kind of dress but i knew it was gonna be that has to be something scary about that and she's wearing a mask okay she's extremely short but she's like really wide and she's wearing this mask. And so she's like, and then she runs off <laughs> and they're like, oh, there's Felicity. You know, well, then a few moments later, Nora comes back. And so the manager there dies. All right. The the girl ends up killing, killing her. And so uh, the psychologist and his assistant, they go upstairs or exploring the house and they go upstairs to her room. And then he begins to say, there is no Felicity. There's no child. This, this woman has schizophrenia. That she she thinks that that she has a child, but basically she is the child. She's both people, and that this room Ooh. is this big, massive room, and she has it set up to make noises. Like there's there's things that will hit the wall at opportune times there's things that will scream out and so this has all been a show so like you know he's saying you know you know here's the noise that we heard when we walked in you know and this and all you hear is this kid screaming and Mm -hmm. uh he goes this is all this is all fake it's all her because you know the whole time they're in the house they never they never saw those two together at the same time oh right they would either see felicity running around so it's like a psycho right yeah or like a minute later they would see the mom Right, And so he goes, okay, I, I see what we got here. This this poor woman needs help. And so he's not scared at all. Okay, really nothing, nothing. Say, he says it pretty matter of fact. Yeah, he's like, okay, I've seen this a thousand times. Here's what we got,
0: folks. Yeah. Classic case of <laughs> schizophrenia.
1: No, but let's go downstairs, get, you know, t- sit down. T- take a Tylenol, you know, and <laughs> let's just, just talk about this, right? <laughs> Tell me how you feel. And so all of a sudden, the girl, Felicity, so she comes around the corner, and she's like, you know, or he's like, now, Nora, I know what you. So let's just sit down and talk. And and then all of a sudden, she turns on like this little switch on the wall. And then the ceiling fan starts to go. Mm -hmm. All right. Just, you know. But then you start to notice that it's just getting lower and lower and lower. So while they're talking, all of a sudden, his assistant's head gets chopped off by it. Okay. And that, that was the only kind of over the top scene of the whole thing is because it happens so suddenly, you know. Yeah. That's and, a stout ceiling fan, man. Yeah, it's just all of a sudden it's like a drill or something just kinda comes it's down. It's like Charlie in the chocolate factory. <clears throat> yeah. In, uh, the Sud Room or whatever. <laughs> the bubble room. <laughs> yeah. So uh he passes you know he passes out at, right sheer terror or whatever. So he wakes up and he's tied to this wooden uh chair and like they're like in the attic. Is the radio show still going? <laughs> the radio show oh no 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 the, the, oh, this okay. was you know, the radio show was the day before.
0: Right. So this was just gonna be Recorded,
1: yeah. He he, and, he was just okay. going to like, yeah. And so, so yeah. So so what happens is so he's you know he's tied to the the uh, the the chair now. He's the only one left, right? So his manager's being killed there at this house, and so is his assistant. The little girl, quote unquote, comes in with the wearing the mask. You know, she's like, you uh, know, can can you help me feel better or whatever? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I can help you feel better. He goes, I tell you what, he said, if you'll come over here and untie me, I'll, I'll give you a hug. He said, I'll just give you a hug and make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. or and So she walks over and she unties him. And as soon as he unties her, he just starts choking her out. I mean, he just immediately goes, I'll give you some loving. And, and he just like, <laughs> grabs her throat and starts oh, choking her, right? And so she's like, and you hear it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear this other voice go, stop. And he looks up and then there's Nora. And there are two people. Oh. And he lets go and he has this confused look and he knocks the mask off of her face. And when he does, the mom walks up and she goes, I can't believe you would do this to my little Felicity. And Felicity's basically like a corpse. Oh. And then she looks at him and she says, You know, Felicity's been dead for 20 years, but we just can't keep her down. Ooh. And she's just, <laughs> oh, no. and she's just in this little dress, and it's like a, it's like a Dawn of the Dead corpse type thing. I mean, it's no skin; you can see the teeth. It's very grotesque, mm. but she's like fully animated. And she's, and it's like she's dead, but she's not. And so, you know, he, she puts the mask back on, and she said, I, "I'm confident, sir." She said that you can help my little girl. And she said, "You know, all the others they had their chance, and they never could." And then he's like, what do you mean the others? And then Nora and Felicity, the little girl, they spin him around in the chair, and he looks, and there's like six other psychologists that are in similar chairs, and it's just their skeletons. Oh, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're all there. And they're like, please help Felicity. Oh, and then you know goodness. the little girls just sort of staring at him. And the last scene, he's he's sort of telling himself, uh, you know, ignore it. Ignore it. And he's snapping his fingers and he's trying to tell himself to like that was one of the things he did during the show. Hmm. He would say, Ignore it. Ignore it. And the whole time he's saying that, Felicity is just like encircling him over and over with a jump rope, huh. just like jumping, like playing like a kid the whole time. That I mean, it's 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 over the top. That, it's, that might be top five scariest <laughs> things I've ever
0: heard in my life.
1: It's sort of creepy. I mean, like I'm sort of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just really when I watched that that the last like five minutes of that show, I remember thinking, man, I, I was totally hooked. I mean because i really thought there were there there was one person oh, you know yeah, yeah but no i was totally shocked when there were two, two. and then the girl and the you know the kid the kid corpse or whatever it is just reaches down and puts the mask back on and just starts playing around him just doing like a jump I rope have to watch
0: like a teletubbies marathon <laughs> after that or something just to kind of
1: get over the trauma that's wild so that was the new arrival so i guess he was the the newest psychologist to try to help <laughs> Uh, poor old Felicity. <laughs> I guess so. But I don't think he's going to be able to do that. No, I don't
0: think he's going to pull it off. The last episode, the next one we have here, is is pretty similar, actually. Whereas yours was about a radio show, mine's about a television show. And it is called Television Terror. All right. All right. This is okay. like Goosebumps. <laughs> it kind of is. So the opening monologue shows the Crypt Keeper, voiced again by John Kassir. And he's just sitting in his crypt, and he's watching uh, like a home movie or something. Okay, And he says, hi, mom. I just love home videos, don't you? Especially when the home is haunted. Tonight's twisted tale, my dear, Couch Potatoes, is filed under T for television, or should that be terror? Mr. Horton Rivers is about to find out, so stay tuned to this totally titillating tube. All right. (laughs) You hooked? I like that. All right. You're you're, you're getting drawn in a little bit? I am. So the short version of this is there's a TV shock journalist named Horton Rivers. He uh, gives an on-air tour of an eerie haunted house. He's he's kind of like Jerry Springer. That that's what okay. I think. He, right. he he wants to go into this haunted house and he wants to basically give a tour to his audience live and it, it's a place where there's a scene of a murder and apparently there was a caretaker and uh the caretaker's name was um i think it was 80 or something like that uh, ada ada ritter Ada. Okay. yeah and, and apparently she was killing people like she was a caretaker for older older men and she would kill them so that she could get their social security money that's, okay. that's what they say right. okay you know it, it's all in the details <laughs> here jason <Jesse. laughs> <laughs> right. so but and, and then basically she killed herself so that's the story that's why the the house has been taped up. You know, there's police tape up everywhere, and uh, in order to up his ratings, here comes this TV shock journalist. You know, live TV cameras, people in the control room talking to him in his ear. Kind of like a
1: ghost hunters type it's thing. Like a ghost
0: hunters. It kind of put me in mind of like Halloween resurrection. A little bit. Oh, yeah. It's not like a reality right. TV show, but it kind of has that vibe. There's a cameraman, and his name is like Trip something or other. <laughs> it's just, just something goofy, <laughs> yeah. you know. But you, you get the idea that this guy, the the host Horton Rivers, is, is kind of a sleazeball a okay. little bit. You know, he says some things to to some of the other producers and a, a lady who works with him, and you kind of don't have any positive feelings for the guy when he's going in so he walks into the house he's got his cameraman with him you know it's just these two and when they get in there it's it's pitch black you know this uh, murder and suicide combo happened like five years ago so he's walking through the house they've got like the light shining and they look in the kitchen and there's some rats and they kind of play it up like oh no and they jump and oh it's just rats you know <laughs> and here we go so they they go all around and then it cuts to a commercial you know, and and he hears from his producers in his ear, and he said, "How am I doing? You know, this this seems like it's going really good." And they said, "This is terrible. Like, oh, no. this this is not going well at all. Like, viewership is dropping off. It's really dragging. You gotta do something. Kind of spice it up a little bit." And they're like, 10 seconds till we come back." And he's like, "What am I gonna do to spice it up?" And then all of a sudden, upstairs they start hearing like a moaning sound, like Ruh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's like, "Trip." Let's get this camera rolling. <laughs> Follow me up the stairs. So all of a sudden they're like, We're back. And and they're going up. They're like, We just heard something up here. So they go upstairs and they start looking around. And tri- uh the Horton Rivers, he kind of opens a door and he looks in. And we see that he's looking at a bathtub and the cameraman's not made it over to him yet. So the cameraman can't see this. And he sees a guy in the bathtub with his throat slit. He's just laying there. And he like he he jumps back. He's like, Oh, get the camera, get the camera. You know, and <laughs> here Trip runs over and he looks. And there's nothing there. And, and Horton, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know what just happened, but I promise there was like a man in the bathtub. So they back up and then all of a sudden when they walk back into the room, the chandelier starts swinging back and forth and they're getting all this on camera and it's all broadcasting live and the people in the control booth are just all of a sudden just, what is going on? What is that? How are you doing that, Horton? And he's like, this is not me. And then you start seeing the doors opening and slamming. And then this one really creepy scene, it shows a closet door. And it starts like cracking apart at the top, and blood starts pouring through the closet. And it's just the weirdest, creepiest thing weird. that I've, I've seen. And, you know, he's like, All right, folks, what you see here is we have captured the first paranormal activity ever really seen, like for real on camera and then they cut to this psychologist who's like it's always about the psychologist right right? there's this official guy down here who's outside the house and they're doing like a a cut in interview bit with him and they're like you know so doctor so and so tell us what we're seeing here what is this what's actually going on in that house and he said oh you are absolutely seeing paranormal you know phenomenon and your your hosts in there are in mortal danger (laughs) they about to die
1: (laughs) that's basically (laughs) what he says
0: now here here's the kicker All right, this is this gave me chills all right? all right there's a line in here that's spoken but right before uh, you know they they finally cut back to Horton Rivers you know he's just going on around and all the doors are banging open close all this and then he turns around and he sees this pool of blood on the rug and he starts tracing it back right what does this lead to because what a great idea right where (laughs) does this go where does it go (laughs) let's let's follow like the the trail here the breadcrumbs and whenever he gets there he just sees you know he kind of bumps his head and sees like uh, these two pair of shoes hanging from the ceiling so he just follows it up and there's his cameraman hanging from the ceiling and then somebody in the control room and this gave me chills said horton who's holding the camera because they're still broadcasting live, and they're looking at the cameraman hanging from the ceiling, and they still have a camera picture. And he turns around and looks at the camera, and there's just a ghost holding the camera, looking at
1: him. Oh my god! And he's like, Oh my
0: god! <laughs> 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 so he like he he runs and he bolts and he tries to run down the steps. And when he opens the door, there's like eleven or twelve other men, like ghosts, walking up the steps toward him. Of uh, I suppose of these dead guys, the old men, yeah. the old men. And then when he turns around to run back the other way, all of a sudden, here comes the lady, the caretaker. She just appears in front of him with a chainsaw. <laughs> okay, so her ghost is there chasing him around with a chainsaw. And then back in the control room, you can just hear him screaming, and say, get me out of this house. Please, please get me out of this house. And they say, Horton... The ratings are going through the roof. You got, got to hang with it, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You've got to stick with it. You're doing great. And he's like, "No, no, get me out of here, please, please, please." <laughs> and what's funny about it is, at the beginning, he was kind of teasing one of the girls before any of this started, and he told her that she kind of needed to have more of a killer instinct, like she needed to be a little more cutthroat to survive in this business. <laughs> so she's in the, the the control room, and while he's screaming bloody murder, you know, get me out of here, she says, "Horton, you just need to have a, a, a killer instinct, man." You <laughs> You need to get go after. for it <laughs> you just need to go for it and all of a sudden you just see the outside of the house and he gets thrown through the window and uh, with the noose around his neck oh, and he's Lord. just hanging there and he's flat out dead and that's how it ends and it's just that that to me there was i mean they get him with the chainsaw right before he goes out the window you see the window scene you see the noose, and that's what i knew what i was in for because before this i watched yellow and it was more of like a war drama kind yeah. of thing. I thought, oh, this is kind of what Tales from the Crypt is. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think this episode. That was sort of an outlier. Yeah, the first one, yeah. This one is much more representative of what the show <laughs> is actually about. But Jason, that kind of concludes our, our tour through the episodes. And that brings us to John Kassir. So we reached out to him, the, the man himself, the Crypt Keeper. We asked him a few questions and he gave us a few answers. He was kind enough to respond. He was a very nice guy. So the first question we asked him is, what inspired the Cryptkeeper's Keeper's voice? And this is what he had to say.
2: Well, I had the opportunity to go down to Kevin Yeager's studio. Unbelievable, right? As he was making the puppet, and I saw that he had rotting teeth and holes in his throat. And of course, having read the comic books as a little kiddie, I knew how those puns needed to be delivered, and I made Kevin laugh by going, Hello, creeps. Be careful what you ask for. You may get it. (laughs) And, of course, the rest is history.
1: So just like that, yeah. I mean, just it, it's just sort of natural, right? It just came you know, to him. He just said that the uh, you know that they basically just liked the way he spoke and you know the the puns that he delivered. I mean, it just sort of seemed so organic. It just it just happened, it just blossomed. Yeah. and he he was the
0: guy for the job. So, Jason, what what other question did we have for him?
1: So, we also asked him, uh, "What is your favorite memory of the show?"
2: Probably going down to the set and watching Tim Curry play the mother, the father, and Winona in the episode. Death of some salesman. <laughs> that was pretty special.
0: I, I haven't seen that episode, but uh, you know Tim Curry. He's obviously he's the actor who plays it, right? In, in, yeah, in, in it. the original, like, in the back, original, like in the early nineties maybe or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also been in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah, and uh, he's also I remember him. He's in Home Alone too. He's like a bellhop type guy or he a manager is. Yeah, or something. Yeah. You remember this?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, isn't he in Annie? He is the an original Annie. Annie he sure yeah. is. Shout out to Mindy Creekmore. <laughs> <laughs> biggest Annie fan in the she world. Not fan. Tim Curry fan. Oh. Biggest, biggest Annie fan. Maybe she does like Tim Curry. <laughs> I don't know. She might, maybe.
0: Either way. That's pretty cool. So the last question we asked John Kassir was, John Cassier, what is your favorite scary movie? Well, my favorite scary movie would have to be
2: Abbott and Costello Meets Frankenstein. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Shannon, I have never seen that movie. Have have you watched that movie? I have. Yeah. Have uh, you
0: really? <laughs> I was a big fan of Abbott and Costello back uh, when I was a kid, which makes no sense because yeah. it's like this black and white sort of goofy nonsense.
1: I'm but, just sort of an yeah. uncultured guy because I mean <laughs> I, I mean I know Abbott and Costello. Uh-huh. I, I know the time period and they were they were comedians, but but I never have really watched them. Mm-hmm. And so I just I wasn't really familiar with that and I've never seen that movie, but but maybe I might have to go back and uh and give it a few minutes. To I, was, try. I was
0: surprised by that answer. I don't know what I was expecting him to say, but that's such like a classical sort of thing that's not what i would envision the crypt keeper's favorite scary no movie i thought he was being. going to
1: say the exorcist <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>.
0: <laughs> so jason this was a fun episode i really enjoy getting to go back and revisit tales from the crypt oh yeah I mean, it's like a shot right out of the childhood man
1: yeah I, I love anything kind of you know going back to uh to childhood and this was an, an awesome way to basically wrap up the halloween season yeah uh, we are recording this on a friday night uh slapdash headquarters in here right now it's a little bit cool it's cold full moon dark outside tomorrow night uh have you heard this which is halloween which is halloween tomorrow is halloween this will be i guess uh it's coming out we'll release this tomorrow yeah release tomorrow halloween so tomorrow night is the first so it's it's a a full moon Mm -hmm. tomorrow night it's the first blue moon as they say uh since 1944 on halloween oh man So it's been that long since we've had a blue moon and I think a blue moon is like if it's it's a second full moon in a month. Oh I think that only happens like maybe like twice a year. Gotcha. Or something like that. Yeah. So is it I know this might be a silly question. Is it blue? Know. Is it blue? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but it's supposed to be a you know big time bright full moon tomorrow, and the first time that's happening in, in forty four years. That's why they say once in a blue moon. Once in a blue moon. Oh yeah, man, which which I think only happens like maybe every four months or maybe six I'm months culture Because I Something. just made that connection. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty. Cool. Well, I don't know who really Abbott and Costello are, so it's it's no big deal. That's okay. But I, I love Tales from the Crypt, and a special thank you to uh, John Cassier for uh, helping us out with that. A great guy, highly entertaining, and a great way to wrap up I guess this is our second uh, basically Halloween-themed month yeah. of, of October. Sure. And so we've had a lot of fun, I, and we hope uh, everyone's
0: enjoyed it. I hope so, too. Thanks again to John Kassir, and thanks to our listeners. Please share the podcast with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at Pod, and let's get one more message from John Kassir in here. That sounds great.
2: With that, kiddies, a happy Halloween to you all, and to my good friends, Shannon and Jason. Well, I hope that you have an excellent episode of Slapdash Podcast.